Waiting on a tax return? Hopefully it ends up in your hands. Fraudulent tax returns due to identity theft increased by 30% in 2023. If you're in a bind this tax season, LifeLock can help. Our U.S.-based restoration specialists are experts dedicated to helping solve your identity theft issues. And all LifeLock plans are backed by the Million Dollar Protection Package. So we'll reimburse you up to the limits of your plan if you lose money due to identity theft. Help protect your information this tax season with LifeLock. Save up to 25% your first year at LifeLock.com slash aware. It's the week that was with Joe Palmasano. There is nothing wrong with your radio. Do not attempt to adjust the frequency. We are controlling transmission. If we wish to make it louder, we will bring up the volume. If we wish to make it softer, we will tune it into a whisper. We will control the bass. We will control the treble. For the next three hours, sit quietly, and we will control all that you hear. You are about to participate in a great adventure. You are about to experience the awe and mystery, which reaches from the inner mind to the outer limits. It is April 13th. 2019, and thanks for joining us this Saturday morning. You know, it was four years ago, almost today, to a day, that we brought you the incredible story of Anthony Harris. Um, If you recall, if you don't recall, he was a 12-year-old boy who was wrongly convicted of the murder of a young girl in Tuscarawas County. And it's a story of a public defender, Taryn Hale, who risked his job, his reputation, and eventually even had to move away to go the extra miles in order to reverse the verdict and eventually see Anthony Harris vindicated from this crime. If you've never heard that story, you truly must. I I really believe it's a great story. one of the best things that one of the things that I'm and I think Stephen and all of us were most proud of is putting that together. Um, we have reposted it in our podcast area uh, for you to listen to. So you could go in, you could find the Anthony Harris podcast. You need to hear that story because it was an incredible story. Let's look at what else happened uh, on April 13th in history. And this is a big one to me because it, it it's kind of funny that it happened in the same week. But on this date, in 1954, Hank Aaron made his first appearance in the major leagues for the Milwaukee Braves with the number five on his uniform on this date in 1954. And then this week... October 3rd, or not October 3rd, I'm sorry, April, uh, it was on the, 40 years ago, so it was, I think it was Tuesday, yes, Tuesday, 40 years ago, Hank Aaron hit his 715th career home run, breaking breaking Babe Ruth's 39-year-old major league record. 
Aaron finished with 755, a mark that stood until Barry Bonds broke it, hitting 756 in 2007. So on this date, this exact date, Hank Aaron broke into the majors with the with the Milwaukee Braves. And that's interesting because Hank Aaron also played before he was drafted or before he was picked by the Boston Braves. Wait, I'm not going to say that. This is part of the trivia contest. Anyway, during this week, Hank Aaron made both of his legendary feats. As a former college football coach, I remember when I coached, uh, people often saw me as just a coach, as if there wasn't more to my life. You know, they wanted to talk football all the time. They didn't want to talk politics or this or that. They assumed that all I knew was football. Now, granted, there was much more time. There, there wasn't much time for, for other things in my life. When you coach college football, you coach college football, and that's just about it. But there is a depth to every coach you know. When you see a high school football coach, college football coach, there's a depth to those people. There's something beyond coaching football. They all have other interests. They all have other opinions outside of sport they coach. And the same holds true for former Ohio State coach, football coach Urban Meyer. I had the opportunity to speak with Coach Meyer this past week and and not to ask him about players, not to ask him about X's and O's, not to ask him about any controversies, anything like that, but about him, about life, about more than that. So today at 9 o'clock, uh, you may hear a side of Urban Meyer that you've never heard, really, because most people just talk to him about football. But we're going to talk, I talked to him about life, I talked to him about his career, I talked to him about things that were important to him such as the fact that he almost became a professional baseball player and actually did and almost made that his life. The fact that he thought about leaving coaching early on to go to law school and actually took the LSAT test and was prepared to go to law school. You're going to hear a lot about this as we talk, as I spoke with Coach Urban Meyer at 9 o'clock. We're going to play that interview for you. A 13-year-old young man was arrested this week in the shooting of 14-year-old Sylvia McGee, uh, a child killing a child. WHBC newsman Matt Demchak has been all over the story. He was at the vigil. He's done much, much more. He's been at the arraignment. He's been everywhere. So today at 935, we're going to speak with WHBC's Matt Demchak and get the latest and his thoughts on this case as it continues. I read last week that the Maslin football program had their own signing day. Their own uh, complete with letters of intent uh, for those players entering middle school and high school. At first I thought, this this may be over the top. It's a little bit much. But as I thought about it more, I actually thought it was brilliant. I actually thought it was great. Our young people need to commit to things. They need to feel what it's like to commit to each other and commit to a program. So I thought it was great. 
And, and this commits them to more than just football. It commits them to a way of life. And at 10 o'clock, we're going to speak live with Nate Moore, Maslin head football coach, about how and why he came up with this. Again, Nate Moore at 10 o'clock. The Ohio legislature was busy this week working on two very important controversial bills, one much more serious than the other. We're going to discuss these today. They're very important. And then uh, there are, once again, there's so many other stories I want to do for you. I want to hear, want you to hear about. Uh, we have duct tape stories that are a glimpse into the future, kind of the outer limits kind of theme. We're going to have our trifecta contest. We're going to have uh, John Bazika give us updates on sports. We're going to talk sports. We've got J. David Rest with the latest news, all directed by the professional hands of our producer, Stephen Potter. Stay tuned. The week that was will continue. Get going. Get cranking right after this. What it is about that song, you have to shake to that song. It's a great song. Anyway, it's contest time. And as I alluded to in the intro, uh, this is Hank Aaron Trifecta. Hank Aaron Trifecta. And here are the answers. Later on in the show, I'm going to give you questions. And it absolutely fits because the prize today is a four-pack of tickets to the Akron Rubber Ducks. Baseball. Baseball. It washes over America like a... What was that? Field of Dreams. I, that's one of my favorite movies ever. That and Sandlot. Both great. You're I, killing me, Paul Masano. You're killing me, Smalls. I, uh, so you get a four-pack of tickets to Akron Rubber Ducks. They are vouchers. They could use it at any game. Here are the answers for today. Later on in the show, I'll give you the questions. If you match them up, you win. If I pick your number, pick your call. The first answer is 13. 13. This is Henry Aaron themed. 13. Second answer, Mobile, Alabama. That's where I went to graduate school. Mobile, Alabama. So 13, Mobile, Alabama, and number three is the Indianapolis Clowns. So those are your three answers. 13, Mobile, Alabama, and Indianapolis Clowns. Later on in the show, I'll give you the questions. If you match them up, you get a four-pack of tickets to the Akron Rubber Ducks. It is uh, 50 degrees out. You're looking for a high today of 66. Tomorrow, 66. Tonight, 45. Doesn't look like, well, maybe a little bit of rain late, but it looks like a beautiful day today. Um, Julian Assange was arrested. The Ecuadorian embassy in, in, in London uh, finally said, we're not granting you asylum anymore. And as soon as they pulled that asylum, armed law enforcement ran in, grabbed him, uh, pulled him out, fully bearded, been living in there for, what, seven years? And uh, 
arrested him, and now they don't know whether they're going to extradite him to the United. What? Why should this guy be charged? Didn't he do a service? I mean, I don't know. I, I you know, I guess what he did was wrong. Yes. He hacked into many things. I don't know if he did personally, but he was the recipient, kind of the collector of all the data that was hacked and then put it out to people. Um, but anyway, he's he's now arrested. He's, he's in jail. They're going to determine what he's going to do. The United States has uh, said that he... Violated. They actually have charged him with certain things and said that he could. I mean, he just spent seven years in an embassy, couldn't come out. Isn't that time served? <laughs> I mean, oh my gosh. It's, you know, we got people who murder people who get out in less time than that. I don't know. We'll see. So Julian Assange was arrested, and that's that's what's going to happen with that. Um, how much time do we have, Stephen? We have one minute. It's not enough time for me to do anything. I'm going to talk. We're going to talk sports with John, but we're not going to talk typical sports stuff, John. We're going to talk philosophy sports. Oh, I love philosophy. We're going to talk Gestalt. Oh, we're going to talk Kierkegaard. Mm. We're going to talk Nostradamus. Oh, no, he wasn't really philosophy. He was kind of other thing. But we're going to talk sports. We're going to do that when we come back with John Bazika. Stay tuned. Oh, you didn't do it. <laughs> My mic wasn't up. I couldn't do it. Anyway, you know, before we get into sports, um, I read a study this week that said uh, every piece of chocolate you eat shortens your life by two minutes. Really? Yeah. So I, I did the math. I did the math in my case. <laughs> and it seems I died in 1543. <laughs> uh, that's good. That's yeah, good. Thanks. It's well done. Thank you. Proud of you. Thank you. I um. Uh, but I, I got to tell you, you watch. You're watching golf. Stevens talking about golf. You guys are talking about Tiger Woods. Sure. You know what I did. You know where my viewing pleasure is. Where was your focus at? Last I night? watched the greatest boxer last night that oh. I have ever seen in my life, and I mean this. In my lifetime, and I am a boxing aficionado. I have watched every major fight for I don't know how long. Sure. Lomachenko is a lightweight champ. He is absolutely the greatest boxer I think I have ever seen. Ever seen. The guy is amazing. I watched him last night again, and he is—he blew me away. It can't compare. I mean, to the slow pace of golf, watching golf is like watching paint dry. It can. It can be that way. 
watching boxing, watching this guy fight. His hands are so fast. His feet are so good. I have never seen, I would say that he's the best boxer I have ever seen in my entire life, including, including all the greats, including Sugar Ray Leonard, including everybody. He is the best boxer I've ever seen. But you don't watch that. No. Vasily Lomachenko. The European, Eastern European fighters are unbelievable. They have changed boxing. They have brought boxing back. You know who really changed the game, though? Rocky Balboa. No, no, Ivan Drago. See, when he came in, you know... Then the Eastern European. Yeah, and then you had that Russian push, you know, during the Cold War. I agree. But the ultimate thing was when Rocky made what I can only infer to be Gorbachev stand up and... And applaud. And applaud. That really broke down the barrier. It did. You're right. I mean, you want that to talk is, about... That, I never thought about that, John. He broke down the barrier. You want to talk about great moments in boxing history. That was. Forget Joe Lewis and Max Schmeling. Forget about Braddock and Bear. Forget about Jersey Joe Walcott against Rocky Marciano. I mean, you gotta you got to go to the base of it here. Drago Balboa. Really? I agree. When he said... When... You didn't like me, and I didn't like you. I love the Russian guy in the background, too. He's like, yes, give his, 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 his. Yeah. <laughs> You didn't like me, and I didn't like you either. But then, suddenly, it changed. If you could change, and I could change, Everybody could change. Let's go, <laughs> <laughs> Oh, it's so true. Hey, did you hear about, I got, I got to get into this. Um, did you hear about the young man from, uh, Kyle Guy from Virginia? I did hear about this. This is what, this is what makes me sick about the NCAA. It's like someone can get paid Agents and shoe people can pay players millions of dollars over the years, and the NCAA turns a blind eye to it. But God forbid that a young man gets married, has a uh, his uh, what do you call wedding that? registry? The wedding registry up online for yeah. people to give register gifts and stuff as he's getting married and he has to take it down for fear that it's an NCAA violation that he's receiving improper gifts. Can you believe this? This is the NCAA. I'm not. I mean, if you're asking me if I'm surprised, I'm not because it is just par for the course with the NCAA. Well, and the NCAA is saying we... We really didn't do it. Virginia did. But Virginia did it because of fear of the NCAA. So they made him take down his wedding registry so that there wouldn't be any infractions right before the national championship game. Now, what about after the fact now that he's not playing now? Is he just allowed to do that? Is he a senior? 
I'm not sure. I didn't check to see what his what his grade level was, but my point is this: I mean, isn't he still at this point a collegiate athlete that yes. competed in that game? If he is, if he is a if he is a senior and he's done with eligibility, then I don't think that there's there can be an infraction. Because I mean, Kyle Guy is not the first player that's been a college athlete that's gotten married in the middle of college. Well, you just can't get married and have a wedding registry. But I'm sure there have been other players. I mean, think about how many people come out of college and end up in the NFL or end up in the NBA, and they say, oh, they were married their junior year of college. Yeah. They've been dating the same girl since they were in seventh grade. They couldn't take gifts. I mean, but I'm sure they did. Well, they might have. Then they could go back and check on it. Are you saying, like, the the set of china that somebody got, like, you know, is going to prevent them from getting a national championship? Well, it's either this. You, if you get a set of China, you're going to get your national championship revoked. But if you received $500,000 from Nike, you're okay. Well, that's different. You're different. Because that's, uh, that's the uh, the sugar daddies of the program yeah. that are coming in and yeah. helping you out with that. Yeah, and plus Nike gives so much money to the NCAA. And well, it's a very loving organization. Hey, we have to take a break. Let's take a break. I want to come back with uh, Juju Smith-Schuster. Okay. That whole thing. What, what is wrong with... Antonio Brown? What is wrong with the man? What a... Anyway, we'll get into that when we come back. You know, you get a guy on a team who cries, bashes people, demands to be released, then he gets released... And he wants, and he keeps coming back for more. Now he's taking shots from afar. So you got Antonio Brown just crazy on Twitter and doing all these things before he got traded. And then afterwards, has to take shots at Juju Smith-Schuster. Now you start understanding that this was all about jealousy. This was all about he felt someone was encroaching on his turf. And he didn't like the fact that this young player was taking receptions away from him, was becoming the player of the year for the Steelers, was usurping his throne, so to speak. And so now he's going to take shots at him. And the guy did nothing but support him. What is what is up with this guy? He certainly could have embraced it. I mean, opposed to running from it like he is, and then the Steelers would have had a great one-two punch. I don't know what's up with him. I no, don't know. I'm just talking about he's no, gone no, now. No, quit, I know. Quit, quit throwing stones. No, I know. I know. I'm just – I don't know what his deal is. I mean, I, I guess it's just that he's all about Antonio. That's the only explanation I can think of, that he's he's just all about himself. He's flipped out. He has absolutely lost his mind as far as I'm concerned. So the things that he's saying, you know, you cost us a season, you cost us a play. From, from afar, why take shots at this guy? And, and he's saying, Smith-Schuster said, all I ever did was show the man love, respect from the moment I got to the league. 
I was genuinely happy for him, too, when he got traded to Oakland with a big contract. And now he takes shots at me on social media. And I love what he posted. This is a great saying. This is a saying for everybody. It's by Mark Twain, but he posted it on his Twitter account. Never argue with a fool. Onlookers may not be able to tell the difference. (laughs) I thought that was a great quote. That is a quote to live by. Uh, But then he said, crazy how big the ego got to take shots at people to show you love. What is SMH? Shaking my head. Okay. Thank you. Yeah. I have no, I had to go to a young man to learn that. Anytime. I had no idea. Keep seeing this SMH. I had no idea. Shaking my head. And you can throw in extra, like, letters. Like, an F in there, and we all know what that means. Shaking my head fully. Yeah. Sure, yeah. I get that. Well done. Good job to to kind of deflect what I said. Well, no, I thought that's what it was. I didn't know what SMH. I kept reading SMH, and I said... You know, I could look it up, but I'll just ask you when I come in (laughs) and figure it out. I did want to say that I think the one thing that Browns fans could take away from all this Steelers mess in the offseason is that if the Browns can truly come together as a unit and truly figure out how to play together, I mean, other teams in the AFC North are kind of in disarray. I don't think so. You don't think so? I I have a I I think the Steelers will actually be better. You think so? Yes, because of Le'Veon Bell gone. It's in the past. Antonio Brown gone. Juju Smith-Schuster is going to prove himself. Uh, it 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 adds a fire to an aging Ben Roethlisberger who has been considering retirement. It adds a fire to him to prove that they can win without those two. I think the team will rally and become tighter. I honestly believe that. And I think the and I think the ball the Baltimore Ravens are going to be better now that Joe Flacco's gone and now that they can settle on one quarterback and design an offense around him. I, I'm not the rumors of their demise are greatly exaggerated. I don't think they're going to be bad. Now Here's another one real quick. Uh, Finally, the Ohio legislature uh, put a bill on uh, bipartisan state representatives introduced legislation to create a sports gaming advisory board. As you know, the federal government legalized gambling. Sure. Uh, But then the states have to figure out how they're going to do it. They have to put a bill in to make it work. So, Ohio's been kind of behind the curve on this. Other states have already done it. So, people are are going to other states to do it. And Ohio's losing out on on that revenue. They're going to charge, in this bill, businesses providing sports betting would be taxed at 10%. And this bill would provide more public education funding. So the money, hopefully, will go towards education. That's smart. It is smart. It is smart. And you know what? Marijuana should be next. Oh, I agree. And and tax that at 10%, 20%. You know, if you want to come and do it, 
Think of all the revenue that will come in from things that people are going to do whether you legalize it or not. Yeah. One guy even brought up prostitution last week at Sid, or a couple of weeks ago, Sid uh, from New York, when I talked to him. He he said, why not do that, too? Why not legalize all of them and tax them? I mean, as you said. Because people pe- are going to do it yeah, anyway. People are going to find a way to get it. People are going to find a way to do it. And regardless. you know what? When you when you force it underground and you make it, uh, you make it, uh, I can't even think of the word. I've gone blank. Illegal. Illegal. It forces, it makes people want to do it more. Yes. And and the thing that gets me is if you were to finally legalize marijuana, then you'd have to look at so many court cases. Why? Because you have a lot of people that are serving time over selling marijuana. Yeah. I mean, isn't that wrong at that point? Then? Oh, I thought you meant there'd be more court cases because no, of the no, DUIs. No, no, no. I'm, I'm just saying. Like I'm that. just saying you'd have to look at at so many court cases. It would I, free them up. Yeah. But I, I, I feel bad then for those people that have been serving all that time over selling a drug that, you know, tons of people do. Yeah. I mean, of all the drugs, of all of them, marijuana is the the. Well, the some least. people will say that it's a gateway drug, but I, I you know, I'm not I don't buying buy that. Yeah, I don't buy that. I'm not buying it. But anyway, so sports betting is finally coming to the fore with the Ohio legislature. And we're getting an advisory board, hopefully, to put together... Opening up, you know, uh, licensing people to do sports betting. Well, know? and I like that they're throwing it back towards edu- education. Yeah. Because education can always use the funding. I agree. I agree. All right. When we come back, we're going to have our interview with Urban Meyer. You will love this. Get to, it kind of digs into who he is as a person, what his motivations were, things like that, other than X's and O's and players and all that stuff. Stay tuned. The week that was will continue right after the news and sports. Luciano Pavarotti is in the house. So you're a Pavarotti guy over Domingo and Carreras? Yes. Yeah. I'm a... Listen to that. It's beautiful. Anyway, I can't get it to turn off, Stephen. Oh, there we go. I work out to that. Other people work out to heavy metal. I work out to power. Oh, see, so you, you, you walk in and some people have like, you know, little Wayne blast in through there and yeah. they take it out and you hear that beat and then you take yours out and you're like... Yeah, that's what I. That's what gets well me done. going. You know, this week I had the opportunity. I told you I had the opportunity to speak with uh, former Ohio State head coach Urban Meyer. He's had so much success in his life, and uh, you know, I wanted to talk to him not about X's and O's, not about players, not about this or that, but about his life. And so I had the opportunity to do it this week, and I wanted you to hear it. This is former Ohio State. Head football coach, Urban Meyer. 
You grew up in Ashtabula, Ohio. Can you look back on your life and your upbringing and the things that prepared you for the success, the kind of the competitive fire that you had in your life, things that happened in your life growing up in Ashtabula? Sure. I love that. I tell people all the time I grew up in the perfect environment, perfect setting. You know, it was a small town where athletics were very, very important. I had a great supporting family, great coaches all the way through. And I realized, you know, at first I loved it when I was doing it, and then I realized how good I had it once I started coaching and recruiting and looking at the other schools. I mean, it was a really good, really good environment. Out of high school, you were drafted uh, very early, I think in the top 13 rounds or something, in, in 1982 in Major League Baseball draft. You played two years of minor league baseball while playing football at the University of Cincinnati. First, I don't know how you did that. How is it possible to play two years of minor league baseball while playing football and being enrolled in college? Well, I did do that. I, I played baseball at first, and then after baseball, I played college football. So I didn't do it, I didn't do it at the same time. Okay. Um, so when I was playing professional baseball, I went to classes in the offseason, and then after baseball, I played college football. Was there a big pull? Towards baseball, was it? Did it almost pull you in to a career in baseball? Sure, I, I love baseball, but but football has always been my uh, my love, and and I was a better baseball player uh, than I was a football player, and had you know not many times in life to get an opportunity to be a professional athlete, and and we decided my family and I just signed right after I was 17 years old, and we signed right at right after the uh, draft in 1982, and then. I found it interesting, Coach Meyer, that you graduated with a degree in psychology. And I look at that degree in psychology as kind of an unusual one to a certain extent, and one that probably uh, became a major factor in how you worked with young men and how in the success you had in coaching. Well, yeah, I started at a very young age, and I was just thought the, the human spirit was very intriguing to me. You know, what motivates people? What What's the drive? You know, and I've always thought that was the differential between the average and above average are great. And it certainly helped me throughout my journey. And, um, you know, it's one of those things I think almost every coach should take some, you know, high-end classes in psychology and theory of motivation and different, uh, you know, what, what makes the people do things they don't want to do. Hmm. You know, that's in coaching it's not – Having someone score a touchdown, everybody wants to do that. It's all the grind necessary to get to that point, and those those are always been very. That's always been very intriguing to me. Yeah, and I, I look at and most people see you um, as a head coach, and they see you during your that part of your journey. But you spent 13 years as an assistant coach, and I don't know if people realize that, but you spent two of those as a grad assistant under my former coach Earl Bruce at Iowa State. And then six at Colorado State and five at Notre Dame. When in that process did you realize that you were ready to become a head coach? Well, I really worked my entire career for that. You know, I worked for some of the greatest coaches in the history of the game. You know, the guy you mentioned, Earl Bruce, Lou Holtz, Bob Davey, Sonny Lubick, those were my mentors. And so I always was keeping a book, was always, you know, evaluating how I would like to do things if I ever got that opportunity. So... Uh, I was working towards it, and then in 19, uh, when it was a 2001, uh, Earl, my mentors Earl Bruce and Lou Holtz pushed me to 
go look around, and one came open named Bowling Green, and, and they uh, offered me an interview, and I took it. Yeah, and I, I look at that, and you you started out right out of the gates with success. I mean, you took a 2-9 and nine Bowling Green team in 2000. You went 8-3 and three in 2001. Then you quickly did the same thing at Utah, and then you did the same thing at Florida. And, and I read, it's interesting, I read some things where people say, Oh, the, the, the reason that he had success was because of his X's and O's and because of his unique offense. But, but I guess, Coach, you and I know that winning isn't about X's and O's. It's about expectations and hard work. And I was thinking psychologically before this interview, what were the core principles that you have going into each of these situations that allowed you to experience success? Well, I've always taken the uh, position we, when we go into a program, you know, those are, when I hear people say they're not our players or wait till we get his guys, and I can't disagree more. And those players become your guys instantaneously. When you say I'm the head coach and same with the coaching staff, and I see people say, well, you know, not a very good situation and they're not our guys. And, and I hear the media say, well, wait till they get their own people. And you're like, these are our people. <laughs> And I think the players knew that. And the players knew that, and the previous coaching staff knew that. We never would take a shot at them. We would always be very positive, love the players, coach them hard, and they're ours. And so we had fast turnarounds at, like you said, all four places because our players knew that, yeah, it was going to be very difficult, very hard, but there was going to be none of the, you know, where do I get my own guys in here? That, that didn't happen. Did you immediately change by changing attitudes, changing expectations. How did you go about doing that? Oh, I just, it's a, we call it the crucible of training. You know, we made it extremely hard that, you know, those who, a little bit like that saying, those who stay will be champions. I mean, we, we especially when I was younger, I mean, it was, it was relentless. And we wanted, our goal was very simple, to be the hardest working team in America. And that's not for everybody. However, if you do stay, you have no choice. That's what you're going to be part of. And, so we took the approach of trying to be the hardest working team in America. Yeah. You know, I played for I played for Johnny Majors my first two years before Earl Bruce came in at Iowa State. And he had that sign in the locker room, those who stay will play, those who stay will be champions and and they put us through some unbelievable stuff. Uh but it was true. And what they said was true. Um I, I wanted to get in. I played at Iowa State in the seventies, and and even at that time, even the time you played at Cincinnati, players stayed four or five years. They they bought in, they developed, they stayed for that time. They became very proud of being in that institution and what it represented. Today, in many instances, football and basketball players are at schools for a short time, like two years in basketball, sometimes one year. How did you adjust to that? Because it changed during your time of coaching. Well, you have to adapt and have to adjust. It's difficult. Uh, I get it. You know, we've had, you know, last year, uh, two years ago, players sit out a bowl game. And, you know, we've had multitude players over the years leave after the junior year. And and football, I get, I get it. You know, and I, it's, you just have to adapt. And a player certainly has every right to go earn a living for his family. Coaches do it. Players have a right to do that. So we have not only uh, accepted, we embraced it. And that 
a lot of guys actually came to Ohio State because they knew that we get guys ready for a career in football. Yeah. Now, but recruiting becomes the most important thing now because it's no longer a development. you got to get guys that could come in and play immediately. Yeah, recruiting's always been the, you know, it's, it's the, those who can't recruit should not be in college. It's, that's the number <laughs> one job description of a coach is to recruit good players. And, and, yeah, it's a little quicker turnaround, especially at places like Ohio State. But that's always been the, you know, back at the beginning of college football, usually those with the best players win. Mm-hmm. Football, I, I noticed it as a coach, and I coached for 18 years. Is it's kind of a constant chase. You're you're chasing for wins, and I'm not talking about wins just on the field. You're talking about wins in recruiting, wins in off-season workouts, win in spring ball. You're you're always kind of chasing things, uh, and because of that, it goes real fast. The time you're coaching, just in my case, it flew by. Did you ever at that time or when did you ever start assessing kind of the race versus life? Did you ever get to that point? Well, I'm still at that point. You know, that's, uh, you know, as an athlete, as a coach, which obviously sounds like you've experienced it, is that, uh, you know, what what I'm finding out, though, also, it's that way in corporate America. It's Mm -hmm. that way, you know, life is about competition. Life's about winning. And, you know, does it impact your life, your well-being, and everything? It certainly does, especially when it's on display in front of millions of people every Saturday. So um, that's the career that, you know, I, you chose when you were doing it and is what it is and do the very best you can. Did you ever, um, did you ever truly find balance? Because I didn't as a coach. Did you ever find balance in life and coaching? You know, I did a really good job here at Ohio State for uh, the time I was here. And, you know, that was well-documented down in Florida where I kind of felt like I lost the balance for my kids were at that age. And I just not only missed things, but, you know, just kind of, you know, gloss over. And, you know, I was always concerned about becoming that guy. And that's that old guy sitting in a chair one day saying, yeah, we won championships, but I missed my kids Hmm. doing this, 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 and this. And so I kind of felt that way. Uh, but, you know, I, I did a pretty good job here. Yeah, you did a, you did a very good job there. Um, as, as you coached, I guess these are all questions that I've had, Coach, and I'm trying to just kind of live through you because I think you're like, I, I admire you for who you are and, and the depth of who you are and how how amazingly you you coached young men. But... As you coached, was there ever uh, another path that you thought you would like to pursue? I guess if you didn't coach, what would you have done? Oh, I did. Uh, I looked at many things, you know, because coaching, you know, when I got into it, there was really hard to make a living. Uh, and so I actually looked at law school. Where, you know, it's a story that when I was at Illinois State making $6,000 a year and I wanted to raise a family and very frustrated and the job market was so difficult to get involved in that I actually looked into taking the LSAT and, and going to be a, a attorney. Mm. And that was one thing, uh, you know, and, but, but my wife's, you know, we were both very strong in our faith and we felt like I had a plan. And so we stayed with coaching. Yeah. It sounds, sounds very similar to a certain extent. There was one point in my life where I was actually considering law school too. Um, 
what do you miss now? What do you, I guess, what do you miss? What do you absolutely do not miss? And what's next for you? I, I miss, well, I, I'm still here at Ohio State, so I love Ohio State and mm-hmm. always will. And it's a really good setup here where I'm working with Gene Smith on some initiatives and, you know, donor relations. Uh, I'm going to work at Fox Television to stay engaged in the game. I'm still very close with Ryan Day and the staff and the team. And, you know, I'm out of practice actually today. I went out to practice and uh, I miss, you know, being the leader of a team. But I also realize there's different seasons in our life and, and I'm, uh, I'm here now. You miss the kids probably. The relationships? Oh, yeah, I miss that. Yeah, I miss Well, I'm still going to have a lot of that. I, okay. You know, I miss the, I'm certainly going to miss the winning, losing, you know, the competitive time, but you've got to find that somewhere else. Yeah, you do. That was Coach Urban Meyer, uh, former head coach. Am I on? Okay, former head coach of Ohio State Buckeyes and kind of reflecting on his life, and I thought it was uh, – Coach Meyer is a tough guy to crack. He is. Uh, it's it's hard to pull pull him out of there sometimes. And I thought he was pretty open and pretty honest and pretty candid in that interview. Stay tuned, and we'll continue with the week that was right after this. You know, this week a 13 year old acquaintance of Sylvia McGee was charged with plotting to kill and fatally shooting the 14-year-old girl. Um, this WHBC's newsman, Matt Damchik, has been all over this. He has been all over this story from the vigil to the arraignment to everything that has gone on with that. And there have been a lot of rumors, Matt. Thank you for being with us this morning, by the way. I appreciate it. It's good to be here, Joe. Thank you. I, Matt, there's so many rumors going around with this story so many things that are being said. What what are the facts right now that we know in this case that can be talked about? Well, you, yeah, you are right about that. There are a lot of rumors out and about, and obviously we're not going to get into those because they are just rumors as of now. But as you mentioned, it, uh, yeah, the 13-year-old boy who has been charged with the uh, aggravated murder, police have and family members have said that he is an acquaintance and knew Sylvia for a period of time, but uh, other than that, that's I mean that's the extent of the relationship that that we know at this point. So her family says that Sylvia was lured into the alley behind her house by people that she thought were her friends, and then shot and killed. And um, as of now, the 13-year-old is the only one charged. In the case, we spoke with, uh, I spoke with Sylvia's great aunt after the, the arraignment hearing for that 13 year old, uh, early, earlier this week, and she believes other people, other people were involved, and other people know what happened, and whether they are on the scene or not, and she's hoping other people will also be brought to justice. Um, just yesterday, um, Pam had on Police Chief Jack Angelo, and he did say that he doesn't expect any other immediate arrests at this point. So he, he used that terminology, any more immediate arrests at this point. So, so as of now, this is, uh, this is where we are, the 13-year-old boy charged with aggravated murder and obstructing justice in the death of uh, Sylvia McGee. 
And we're talking with WHBC News' Matt Demchek. And, Matt, I, I, why is this so hush-hush? Why, why don't we know now motives? Um, you know, this is, this is a child killing a child. I mean, this is a 13-year-old killing a 14-year-old. In my lifetime, I don't think I, I, I remember anything like this. It has happened, it's happening far too often now in our country. But why is it so quiet? Is it because he's 13 years old, he's a juvenile, that no one is speculating and no one is saying yet why he did this? I'm, I'm sure that that plays into it. That is part of it because it, it is, I mean, as, as heinous as the, the uh, alleged crime is, he's still a 13-year-old, uh, he's still a juvenile, and juvenile court rules have... Uh, you know, they're, they're different. It's different than the adult courts, and there's more privacy for the individual because they're obviously they're a juvenile in the eyes of, uh, of the law. So, yeah, not as much information has come out yet. Hopefully, if there is a, uh, re- when there is a resolution in the case, hopefully more information will come out, if not for, for everybody, but at least for, for the family, because that's what it's all about, to get the families, uh, to get Sylvia's families just uh to get Sylvia's family justice, and her great aunt even said that they just she does they don't they don't know the motive, and they and that's part of the closure process. They would like to know, like to know what happened, like to know the motive, why. That's uh, the question a lot of uh, murder victims' families have. Why you know they just need that for some closure. So, as you know, as a as a news person, of course, we want to we want to know the information. We want to know exactly what happened and what went down and have as much information as possible, but it's obviously more important for the for the family to have that information and to get that closure, and hopefully they eventually will, whether it's uh, as the case is playing out or once the case has resolution, but hopefully they'll have uh, at least enough of the facts of the case to get some, some closure for them. Do you know when, Matt? Do you, is, has anybody given you speculation as to how long it will take before information starts coming out on this? Um, no, no, that's always tough to, tough to see. You just, you just never know. Um, the next, uh, and you just never know if it's good, if it's going to play out the whole, the whole way or if it's going to drag out. But, uh, at the, uh, arraignment for the 13 year old earlier this week, they set the pretrial hearing for all the way until May, May 28th, I think. Okay. So that's the next, uh, that's the next hearing and probably not much will happen in that. So yeah, these, I mean, it does take a while sometimes for this information to come out, at least confirmed information, but uh, there is a lot of speculation out there. But uh, regardless of that, it, it, like, like you mentioned, it's just, yeah, it's just a horrible, horrible situation in terms of uh, just, uh, I mean, just to think of, I mean, any gun crime, any gun violence is horrible, but just the ages of these kids, I mean, 13-year-old yeah. shooting a 14-year-old, it's just, I mean, it's that's just... Uh, that's just crazy. And also when Pam had on uh, the police chief yesterday, you know, she asked him kind of about the, the state of gun violence in the city because there's been the last uh, couple weeks. I mean, there was Sylvia. She was murdered. Then there was uh, a shooting in broad daylight at the BP there at uh, North Market and 12th Street. And then just a couple days ago, there was a woman shot in the chest and she drove herself to Mercy and then was flown to a Cleveland hospital. So there has been uh, there has been some gun violence, but he uh, the chief said um, it's, that, uh, it's random and it's people knowing people is what he said. So I 
Yeah, yeah. He but said, that doesn't, uh, that's not well, really consolation. <laughs> no, 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 definitely not consolation. But no, he didn't, he said it's actually the opposite. Of, he said it's not random acts of violence. Oh, okay. You know? so it's, right. it's, it's kind of targeted. It's people that know people, and so it's not. So basically, the public, you know, doesn't have to. I mean, that's kind of what law enforcement officials kind of, kind of say. Hey, crime happens in every every city, especially when you get into a, a city the size of Canton. You know, he said, hey, we're not Cleveland, of course, but you know, we're going to have our crime. But right. you know, it, at least it is kind of just people. You know that know other people and say they have a beef or there's something between them. So at least it's you know targeted in terms of that, and it's not just you know you're just walking down the street, walking your dog, and then you get you know mugged and shot. At least stuff like that isn't happening here. Knock on wood. So, let me um, let me ask you a last question, Matt. I um, mm-hmm. is it rumor or is it fact that this was gang, kind of a gang related thing? Is that a rumor? Well, it's a uh, rumor as in it hasn't uh, been confirmed by any, you know, any officials yet, any law enforcement officials, anything like that. Okay, no, so that's, that's a rumor. Been, that has not been confirmed yet, at least to us. So, yeah, I don't know if there's uh, any connection with that or not, but hopefully hopefully that, if that's true, that'll be one of the facts that'll come out uh, sooner rather than later. Okay. Matt Demchek, the uh, WHBC's You've done a remarkable job on this, Matt. Uh, as, as you do, as you do many things, but you have been all over this case, and and I wanted to get you on today and uh, and, and well, get... yeah. When we, I appreciate that, and sorry to interrupt, but yeah, when we cover stuff like this, obviously, I mean, it's tough to uh, tough to cover stuff like this, but it's very important, and we do it as respectful as possible. And I went out to the vigil a couple Friday nights ago, and uh, and it's just good to cover the whole aspect of of the case when tragedies like this happen and just try to get to get to know the the person who was lost and a lot of people had you know just tremendous things to say about sylvia at the vigil a couple couple fridays ago at the southeast community center so we just try to cover it as thoroughly and uh fairly as possible i appreciate it man and i know you'll keep us updated on all the latest that comes forward with this as we as we look for the resolution uh matt demchek news person whbc thank you so much matt have a great day you too thank you a reminder that at 10 o'clock after the news and sports we're going to talk with uh maslin head football coach nate moore about his uh, decision to have letters of intent for his sixth and seventh graders people going into middle school and people and eighth graders uh, that are going into high school. I thought it was a great idea. Um, at first, I didn't. Uh, but then as I thought about it, I thought, this is, this is brilliant. And we're going to talk to Nate more about his, why, how he came up with that, why he came up with it. It is uh, 54 degrees. You're looking at a high of 66 today, mostly sunny. Beautiful day today, folks. Get out. I need to take this sweatshirt off, that's for sure. You know, there was another indictment this week that took place uh, because of the Mueller investigation. And it's interesting because it was uh, an Obama White House counsel, uh, Greg Craig, was charged with lying to prosecutors. I thought it was all done. But now you've got another attorney 
who was the White House counsel for President uh, Barack Obama, was indicted on charges of lying and hiding information related to his foreign lobbying work with the Ukraine. He's a 17-year-old lawyer out of Washington, D.C. He was charged. His charges stem from federal investigation into the Russian meddling in 2016 presidential election. So this came out. It makes me wonder if there's going to be other indictments. There's still other indictments. Why this came out now. Uh, but it's kind of interesting that it's it's pushing to the other side a little bit, too. We'll see where that all leads. Um, Canada. This is another story that I wanted to give. Canada's rejecting. You know, we talk about us, and we talk about, oh, we've got to accept all the immigrants that are pouring into the country and and doing all these things. Well, Canada has officially rejected All refugees' claims of asylum coming in from other countries. Canada intends to change the law to make it harder for asylum seekers rejected by countries like the U.S. to file refugee claims at the border. Why is it okay for Canada to do it? Makes no sense. We're okay doing it. We're fine. We're going to take everybody in the world into this country, which is fine. We need to take some people in, legitimate asylum seekers. And we need to do it in an orderly fashion, folks. We need to do it in an orderly fashion. But Canada has said, no, we don't want this. They are closing the borders. They are going to reject refugee claims, Especially if the if the asylum seeker has made already made a claim in another country, so they won't be taking these countries include the U.S., U.K., Australia, and New Zealand. If anybody's made asylum uh, has has sought asylum in those countries, they will not be taken into Canada. Um, the the other thing that came out this week is that. President Trump is considering parking all asylum seekers and all immigrants that come into the border when they released. He's contemplating releasing them into only sanctuary cities. Why not? Why not? If they are sanctuary cities, they should take all the immigrants. And Rahm Emanuel, the mayor of Chicago, said, we'll welcome them. The mayor of San Francisco said, we'll welcome them, we'll take them. Uh, I think it's it's kind of petty <laughs> that President Trump is going to do that. But it also makes sense. Why not put them in the place where they want them? So that's what he's thinking about doing. I don't think it's going to happen. I think it's a threat. Another veiled threat, uh, but that's that's on that's what's happening on the immigration front. When we come back, we are going to speak with Maslin head football coach Nate Moore on what I think is uh, very unique and uh, very intelligent move and something that kids need. We'll talk to Nate Moore when the week that was continues right after this. Our number three of the week that was, and you know, this week I saw a story that I. 
just at first when I saw it, I said, "What is this?" And then I looked at it closer and I started looking through it and thinking about it. And it was, it was. I thought it was brilliant. Um, the Maslin football team hosted a signing day event at Maslin Intermediate School. Sixth and seventh graders signed their intent to play middle school, and the eighth graders signed their letters of intent to play freshman football next season. And the the person who I think was behind all this is the guy that's doing an unbelievable job at, at Maslin Washington High School coaching the football program and working with young men is Nate Moore. Nate is down in Columbus. I think you were down there for the spring game, Nate, right? Yeah, that's correct. I've actually been down here for a couple of days. We had a uh... A coaching clinic down here, hosted by the Ohio State coaches, and still down here, uh, get ready for the spring game to kick off today at noon. That's right. I, you know, when I coached, I used to come down there every year for this event. You know, for the clinic and and sure. all the whole all the stuff. And so I know it's packed with coaches, and everybody's down there. I I wanted to. I thought this. What what made you come up with this idea, Nate? Well, um, yeah, just making a. a Real effort um, this year, going into week five, um, to, to get more involved, um, you know, with our junior high program, and, and then here also our, our youth program. Um, you know, we're in a good place right now at, at, at the uh, varsity level. You know, within our building, you know, what we have going on, just you know, where our programs at, where our, our, our culture's at, and one of the things that that allows me to do is, is, is become more involved at the lower levels, and so. You know, as a staff, we, we, we brainstorm different ideas, things that we can do to, um, you know, make it special down there. Mm-hmm. And uh, it was one of the ideas we came up with, and, and it was executed by Josh Remark, our freshman head coach. He did a great job. I, I think it's a great idea, and, and for a lot of reasons. And the first thing that came to my mind was when I'm looking at the letter of intent, uh, you, I, you say things – I vow to participate in Maslin Tiger football program in 2019 season. This is a commit. You're committing to do right. this. I vow to be the absolute best to uphold, promote, and contribute to the tradition of Maslin Tiger football. And the third one I think is most important. I vow to lead by example and represent the Maslin Tiger football program on the field, off the field, and in the classroom. I, I think it's, you know, nowadays nate it's so hard and we're so afraid to get young people to actually commit to something that is greater than them and and this does that and i think that's why it's so important in the lives of these young people yeah you know i i think i think that speaks to why you know athletics are so important today and, and 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 why football has such value in our society because, you know, let's face it. I mean, society is very selfish, very self-centered, mm-hmm. um, probably more than it's ever been. Um, and, and that, that makes what we do just so much more unique. And, um, you know, it's not just lip service that, that, you know, we want, we want our football program to be a, a tool to help improve the lives and, and help grow the, the young people in our community. Um, and, and, and to use that, uh, to help drive them to, to, you know, higher levels of performance and success in the classroom and um, help them become, 
you know, uh, young men of, of great value within our community. How did the how did the kids react to this? How did your players react to this? Were they was this a very positive thing in their lives? Oh yeah, very positive, very positive. Um, yeah, the the, the um, you speak about the signing day. Yeah, the signing day. Yeah, yeah. I mean, the, the kids loved it. We we took our jerseys down there, and 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 we had a you know a table all laid out, um, and and. Um, we actually did a picture with them about about 15 at a time, them actually signing, um, and did a, did a big class photo. We had close to 50 kids in, in every class down there, and wow. you know, is, is that is that going to carry over to August? You know, that, that remains to be seen. But uh, just to have the kids come down there and be involved and you know sign their name to something, um, you, you know, hopefully that that leads to higher rates of participation because they did choose to come down and put the jersey on that's right and i and that's what i think i think your chances of having people having young men move up and stay on the team and stay working and working towards a a common goal are greater by having them sign a commit letter and actually putting their name on it versus just hoping that they show up in the fall and then during winter and all that is, is is much greater that you're going to have a full football team, a full group of people who are totally committed to the program, than than not than leaving it to chance. Yeah, just think. You know, let's let's say you're a you're a, you're a young man who's who hasn't played before, and, and you're in sixth grade or you're in seventh grade. Well, um, you know, coming out to practice as your first act, you know, as a potential masculine tiger, that, that's a big step. Yes. You know that that's 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 scary. If you're a sixth grader who hasn't done it before, you're a seventh grader who hasn't done it before. You know, we're coming down and taking some pictures and putting a jersey on. That's not so scary. You're right. You know? So it, it's just it's just a step in the right direction. And, and maybe they come out of it and they say, you know what, this is really something that I want to do, and 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 I think it's now worth it to take the risk to go out to practice and you know put it on the line. Yeah, it's it's a great idea, Nate. I I think it's. Uh, uh, I, I thought it was brilliant, and and congratulations on this. Congratulations on a great season. Um, you know, continued success. You're doing it the right way there, and you're working in kids' lives. And I think this is a great step. I I, I really, I, I think it's unique, and it's uh, it's pretty amazing. And thank you for taking time out of your Saturday and the clinic and everything, getting ready for the spring game, uh, to come on today and talk about it. Sure thing. Uh, you know, appreciate you uh, inviting me on. And um, anybody out there that's going to watch the spring game on TV, look for Austin Cooks, your former Tiger. Should be getting a bunch of reps today. We're really proud of him. Yeah, I tell you what, he, he can play. He can play. Um, sure. I, I thank you, Nate, and you have a great day. Enjoy your time down there. It's going to be a beautiful day. Very good. Thanks a lot. Thank you. Take care. Bye. Nate Moore, head coach of the Masson Tigers on this letter of intent. I thought it was a great idea. Anyway, we'll be back right after this. Ah, I've still got a lot of stories I want to get to. There's so many things going on in the world. We're going to take a call. I don't, I don't know who this is, but I'm going to. What's your name, please? It's Larry Joe. I stopped in there trying it in this morning. I knocked on the door. You guys wouldn't let me in. You saw who I was. But anyhow. No, that's not true. I didn't even see you. I want to play chess with you, but not during the show. I'll come down after the show someday. We'll sit right there in the office. I'll let you beat me at some chess. All, all right? right, that's a deal, and I will. I know you will. <laughs> you told me you're ready compared to mine. I know you will, but that's okay. 
I can learn from the expert. Uh, I have a problem. I have two problems with what we were talking about this morning. Number one is the gambling money is going to fund the schools. I heard this before with the lottery money. I don't believe them for a second. Bingo. I worry about that too. But but I a, go ahead. I think I'm having a problem with as a graduate of a Catholic school that you were, and I attended Central, but didn't graduate. I wasn't the model student, so they kind of asked me to leave. But if, they, if a Catholic school went to those schools and talked to those kids about coming to them, that would be recruiting. Is that the same for a public? Well, you talk about what Maslin did? Yes. Well, these are their own kids. These are kids in their own school. I get that, but those kids should be able to make up their own mind without anybody influencing them as what school to go to. I mean, some may be on the border of Perry or Jackson and could go to either of those schools, but now that this man is showing interest in them, well, hey, I'm He's just, he's just saying, you kids are in my school. You're in the school system. You're in the Maslin school system. <coughs> and I want you to commit to doing everything to the standards of that we want Maslin football to be about. That's all he's doing. And it's wow. just getting these kids to, to say, look, I'm yeah, I'm going to be part of the program. I'm going to come in and be part of the program. But there again, I think they should make up their own mind. On well, they can. Term. They can still leave. It's not like this is ironclad. It's not. Uh, it's I, not like the NCAA where you will, if you decide to go to a different school, that you're going to be. You can't be eligible. You got to sit out of here. Yeah. Well, I still think it represents some form of recruiting. But uh, you know more than me because you've been in the game your whole life. And a uh, very good interview with Urban Meyer. A uh, very nice job you did. And. Uh, I appreciate your show. So thanks a lot. Thank you, Larry. You come in and play chess anytime. Well, what time do you get done? 11, right? Yeah, but I, I can't usually... do it today because, uh, go ahead. I don't have a chess board in here. Uh, I'll bring that. Don't you worry. All right. That's a deal. <laughs> Take uh, care. You want to? Take my number off the air, and you can call me what's best for you. Well, I'll let Steve. I'll let Steven right. get that. I'm going to put All you right. on hold. That's perfect. Thank All you. right. All right. I wanted to get into this. It is uh, 56 degrees. I don't know how much time, but uh, Governor DeWine, as promised, signed uh, the heartbeat abortion ban. Uh, it was voted on by the House and the Senate in the Ohio uh, Legislature. Governor DeWine signed it on Thursday. Basically, banning abortions after a, f- a heartbeat is detected. A heartbeat, uh, usually around six weeks. So it 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 will actually the heartbeat in a in a baby will start probably long before a person even knows that she is pregnant. So basically, this is a bill that is is very uh, controversial. They know it will go to. They're trying the goal of this, and many states have done this already. Arkansas, North Dakota, Kentucky, Iowa, Mississippi, all have these laws. They've all been challenged in court. Uh, The idea behind this is that they know it's going to get challenged, but they're hoping that it goes, finally goes, if enough states do it, that it goes to the Supreme Court, and the Supreme Court has to make a decision on this. Now, I I am always very transparent with you, and I always try and see both sides of things, and I'm being very 
personal and honest with you. I believe that a baby with a heartbeat inside a mother is alive and living and growing and a human being. I believe that. I would like to be open-minded and maybe say, okay, I get it, that this and this. This isn't about the, and and I'm going to catch, probably catch hell for this. People will be upset. But the mother's choice doesn't, when, when a baby is alive, that baby has a choice too. That baby, you have the choice in whether this is a human life or not. I believe it's a human life. I believe when there's a heartbeat, that is a human being who is growing, who is alive, who understands. I mean, our laws are so messed up. If someone kills a pregnant woman, it's a double murder. And yet, the mother can choose to do that, and it's fine. It makes no sense to me. So I agree with this law. I agree with this bill. I think that, that, that the choice is to get pregnant or not to get pregnant, to get pregnant in the right way or not to get pregnant. I don't think there's a choice. I think the choice then becomes, do I want to keep this baby or do I want to put it up for adoption? Abortion cannot be birth control. It's got to be a choice, you know, and, and let's get into, we can, we can talk about rape and we can talk about the, the health of the mother. We can talk about those things. But to say this is a piece of tissue is a lie. And so I agree with this. It's going to be interesting to see what happens with this. But I cannot tell you, I cannot sit here on the radio and say, it, it should be okay to do this. It should be okay to, it, it's, it's a fetus. I don't believe in that. There's too many studies that show the baby moving around, learning, sucking on its thumb, doing things as they grow. So that, that, that's just my thoughts. I'm ready for the ramifications of what I just said. But I, I believe it strongly, and I cannot sit here and sugarcoat it to you. Um, we'll have other stories, and then we'll have our duct tapes, we'll have our contest, and more as the week that was continues right after this. Okay, uh, some quick stories uh, before we get into the break and the contest and our futuristic duct tape stories. Uh, first of all, I want to say this. I, I spoke this week with um, Marcus Watley, who is the new head football coach at uh, McKinley High School, and um, uh, McKinley couldn't have hit uh, a more of a home run. The people of Canton City Schools, the board, Marcus Watley is a classy, classy young man. Uh, I have known his father-in-law, Mark Murphy, for years. Um, Mark and I 
I, I love Mark, and he and Pam are, are unbelievable parents and great people. Um, Mark and I coached together at Malone and coached together at University of Akron. Um, Mark is at St. Vincent St. Mary's, and, and Marcus played at the University of Akron, uh, has coached, uh, been a head coach at St. V, was a coach at Akron for a year, uh, is just a classy young man. He's a guy who's, uh, you parents at, at McKinley High School and sons are playing football, Canton City Schools, will be very pleased with how Marcus Watley develops your kids, works with them. Uh, it's a great hire, and I'm I'm so happy for him. I um I wanted to get into a story. New York Assembly, and this is this is a crazy story. New York lawmakers on Tuesday refused to advance a bill that would have provided free college tuition to the families of military personnel from the state who were killed in the line of duty. This bill had been going through. And they refused to advance it uh, to even come to a vote to give free college tuition to the families of military personnel from New York who were killed in the line of duty. Now, this wouldn't be so bad if it hadn't come a week after lawmakers passed a 175 billion b billion dollar state budget that includes 27 million dollars to provide college tuition aid for undocumented immigrants so a week after they provided 27 million dollars to provide college tuition for undocumented immigrants illegal aliens They refused to advance a bill that would have provided free college tuition for families of military personnel who have been killed in the line of duty. (sighs) Why do people live there? Bizarre stuff. Um, A couple things have happened, and this kind of leads towards the election of 2020 and the Democrats nominee and all that. Rasmussen daily presidential tracking poll. I've been reading this. I've been going over it like daily. It's been up to like 53%. Uh, It's currently right around 51% of the people approve of President Trump's performance. Now, the reason I say that is whether you agree or disagree with this over 50% of the population right now in the third year, likely voters, these are likely voters, approve of the way President Trump is conducting business. Also, the U.S. weekly jobless claims dropped this week to the lowest level since 1969, 49-and-a-half-year low this week. Now, what does this all mean, whether you agree with it or not? Obviously, uh, likely voters approve, more approve, of what President Trump is doing. 
it appears right now that likely voters will not accept nor approve any candidate that is that far left of what Trump, President Trump is doing. This bodes well for the people who are running for president, and it should wake up the Democratic Party to a certain extent, as to who they vote in as their nominee. Because I don't think America at this point is going to accept a far-left or socialist Bernie Sanders, Kamala Harris, uh, and, and anyone like them. I don't think they can expect them to beat President Trump in 2020. It's going to take someone like uh, what the mayor of South Bend who is running, uh, the congressman from Youngstown, you know, who are more middle of the road, Joe Biden, that kind of thing. And I think that's what it's going, it's going to take a Trump light, somebody who is uh, more unifying, more articulate, uh, and, and, and I think that's what the numbers tell you, if you look at it that way. It is 57 degrees. You're looking for a high of 66. I have one more story before we get into this. Sony has created a colossal 16K TV. 16K. This TV is 63 feet wide by 17 feet high. And it's 16K. They're moving towards 8K now. They're going to have 8K TVs. And these will be marketable. 8K TVs will be marketable soon. But they've come up with a 16K. Can you imagine? Pretty soon you'll be walking into TVs. You'll be fully immersed in them. And that's going to lead into what our future looks like in our duct tape stories. When we come back, stay tuned. You could win a four-pack of tickets to the Akron Rubber Ducks. They are vouchers that can be used on any regular season game of your choice at Canal Park. Well, today would be a perfect day, but unfortunately no one's here to give you the voucher. So you're going to have to wait a little bit. Let's go to call on number three. What's your name, please? Hi, Joe. It's Stephanie. Hi, Stephanie. How are you? I'm good. How good. You? Are you ready? I, I think so. All right. Here we go. Uh, how many home runs did Henry Aaron hit in his first season? Thirteen. There you go. Hank Aaron was born February 5th, 1934, in what southern city? Mobile, Alabama. Yes. And <clears throat> now this is un- unbelievable to me, the name of this team. But But what Negro League team? Did Aaron start with before he was signed by the Boston Braves? I never heard of this one, but it, like you said, I, it's unbelievable. Indianapolis Clowns. That was their name. The Indianapolis Clowns. You won. You have won a four-pack of tickets. I'm going to put you on hold. Stephen is going to take your information. And you could come in this week and pick up these vouchers and use them on any 
game you want to. Okay, thank you very much, Joe. Congratulations. And if I don't talk to you before, happy Easter. Thank you so much. Bye-bye. Bona Natal. Okay. No, Bona Pasqua. Oh, that's right. <laughs> <laughs> I was say you're wishing me Merry Christmas. I know. Have a great one. <laughs> Thank you. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. All right. She's on hold. Good to go. Um, what? Oh, duct tapes. <laughs> These are all science fiction. What? I was going to tell you something real fast. You brought up a Negro League team, the Indianapolis Clowns. Yeah. Did you know that Akron had a Negro League team? No, what was the name? Akron Black Tyrites. Tyrites? Yes. Okay. I was just saying. I thought That's you, amazing, though. I thought you might find that interesting. I think it is interesting. I was I was doing. But why were they? What is a tyrite? I don't know. I've been trying to figure it out ever since I discovered it. And I, what year was this? You know? Um. Yeah, I can tell you real fast. I want to say it was because I have duct yeah, tape. Yeah, it was 1933. All right. Awesome. Thank you, John. They were the Columbus Bluebirds for the first half of the season and then became that the second half of the year. So, Well, thank you. Just a little bit of history I for I appreciate you. that. Absolutely. I wanted to get in. Now, you could, you, you're welcome to sit on this. Sure. But, uh, this, is, this is duct tapes. These are science fiction things. They're, no, they're actually happening. They're not fiction. Scientists are putting, now working to put a human gene into monkeys that makes them smarter and more human-like. Can you say Planet of the Apes? Can you say... Chinese scientists are using a gene-editing technique to make monkeys' brains more human-like. By the end, the monkeys got smarter and had superior memories as compared to the unaltered monkeys. Planted the apes. Charlton Heston called. Now here's another one. Scientists begin teaching AI robots to evolve and reproduce. I swear, humans are making themselves obsolete. Evolutionary roboticists have decided to begin teaching artificial intelligence-powered robots to evolve and reproduce. Can you say iRobot? Presidential candidate Andrew Yang, he is running for the Democratic nomination for president. He is going to do multiple events holistically, 3D holistically. He is actually going to conduct multiple events where he will have a holistic image on all of the different events, multiple events at once, where people can ask him questions and he will carry on conversations holistically. Can you believe that? It's actually gotten to the... uh, actually gotten to campaigns now. Can you imagine going to an event as a holistic and he's doing like 15 events at once? Here's another one. A few in the future, they're working on this now. A human brain will be able to interface with the cloud. Now, think about this. What they're trying to do, neuroscientists are doing this, they're working on this. Nanobots in the brain 
that could actually connect to the Internet via the cloud so that you can actually think of something and it will automatically connect to the universe, pull out information, and recall it. So say I think about cooking. And I think about cooking a certain thing. All of a sudden, I could plug into a recipe and know how to cook that. Some You could be carrying a conversation and pull multiple studies into your own brain as if they were your thoughts and speak them. How are, you know, one thing good about this that I see is empathy. If you were able to do that, you may have, we may be able to connect better as human beings and have more empathy. But the problem is, you no longer have to study. You no longer have to read. You've got the world of knowledge right in your own brain automatically just to call up with a thought. These are scary things. These are scary things. We are headed to movie time. A iRobot, Planet of the Apes, Matrix, all of them. Oh, my goodness. And robots soon will be calling balls and strikes in minor league baseball. Wow. Have a great week, everybody. I want to thank you for tuning in. Make something great happen. I'll talk to you next Saturday.